Namaste. The word Shastra is very, very important to our tradition because to really understand the Shastras, to study the Shastras is what has kept our tradition from wandering off, getting distorted because these Shastras have been preserved for a very long period of time. In the Abrahamic traditions, especially Judeo-Christianity, they give equal emphasis and respect to scripture. So the question is, are Shastras the same thing as scripture or not? And this is what I want to ask uh, Dr. Das today. You see, in the Abrahamic traditions, scripture is sort of one book. So the God, one occasion, revealed to, you know, a particular prophet, and then on another occasion to another prophet. So there's a sequence of revelations, mm -hmm. and that's it. So I want to uh, ask Dr. Das, uh, please explain what uh, Shastra is and how it's uh, different from scripture. Yeah, this is a very important question, Rajivji, because we often translate the word Shastra as scripture. I think this is a very common translation of this word. But Shastra has a different connotation. First of all, Shastra is not something which is revealed in a particular time and it is not historical. Mm. Shastra for us is an eternal knowledge. It may become manifest or unmanifest, just like Bhagwan, like Sri Krishna, he came on earth about 5,250 years ago. But that does not mean that he did not exist before that or he was here for 125 years. It's not that he is not there now. People have had experience of him later on also, even now in the present day. So he is existing, but he appears and disappears. That is the meaning of the word avatara, means descent. Descent obviously signifies that he is there before and he is there afterwards. So Shastra is something like that. It appears and it may disappear, but it is there all the time. It is eternal knowledge. This is a very important differentiation because in the New Testament scripture, it's very clear that Jesus, his coming creates a scripture which did, could, did not exist. In other words, the, the idea of being saved by Jesus was not available before Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. In other words, Jesus coming and what happened to him, they crucified him and he said, I'm doing it so that others can be saved by my action and I'm suffering for you you know, this uh, substitutional atonement, as they call it, uh, this was not available before. Right. So, the, so everybody was originally, uh, was condemned to original sin and eternal damnation. And a very big question that has been asked to the church is, uh, were all people before Christ going to hell? For, yeah. uh, because there was no Jesus to save them. Yeah, what was their fate? What was the, the upaya, the method of, the only method for saving is Jesus because he, God felt sorry and said, I'm going to send my son and sacrifice him so other people can be saved. Uh, that means that before that, God had not thought of this. So everybody before Jesus was being sent to hell. Right. Okay. So the church has not, not been able to come and say that even before Jesus, even before uh, uh, Jesus, others could have been uh, saved because the method of saving was not there. Right. Some of them say that we transferred them from hell to heaven because we said, okay, <laughs> let's make it retroactive. Uh, okay, maybe so. 
so they are playing this game yes now this is not the nature of uh, shastra no there it is not that uh, the shastra has uh, started on this date and before that it was not applicable mm-hmm. maybe people were ignorant of it right but that the rules of the shastra were always applicable yes. is that correct that's very much correct and in fact it is also not true that people were ignorant of it in the beginning because shastra was given at the very beginning of creation before when the original people they had shastra right. okay. brahma himself was given shastra mm. that's why he is depicted having four heads which signify the knowledge of the four vedas mm. so he is the first person tene brahma hridaya adi kavaye so this adi kavi brahma he got the knowledge in his heart directly from bhagwan so it is not that knowledge was you know after 2 right. millennia 3 millennia right. then the knowledge came so it was always there it was always the, there the, the shastra knowledge is always there right so that is one very important distinction and second thing is that for us if it is bible or any other book if it is not in conformity with our vedic knowledge we don't consider it as valuable or shastrik uh, that's a very important point there's a there's a test for shastra if it is conforming with vedic knowledge it can be it is shastra right that's the test that is a test and because you know, there is nothing outside the vedic knowledge yeah so everything can be derived from it consistent right. with its principles vedic foundation leads to all the other right. shastras and you, if you study you know in a very unbiased manner you will see that there is no knowledge which is outside the vedas mm. or the vedic scriptures mm. whatever is there in other what you call scriptures you will find that in the vedas if somebody were to evaluate the bible and evaluate the quran for whether it complies with vedas it would not be an easy thing to do to say okay all of this complies with vedas because i don't mm. think that can happen basic things like reincarnation basic things like karma basic things like the nature yeah. of the self yeah, all atma, of that you know, yeah. or atma the very basic things are not the, not there in these and so you we could not consider them to be valid shastras and then we don't know what happens after death really right but our our shastra give a very vivid description that okay right. if you get moksha then what is after that right and about the spiritual world the vakunthas and the right. life there all this right. is described in much detail right and the characteristic of life and people there the word scripture comes from scriptura in mm-hmm. latin which means a writing mm-hmm. so it's a written piece right in fact uh, the first ultimate authority you know god gives moses the 10 commandments from which the whole thing starts and that 10 commandments is written on stone yeah written tablets carved on written on stone to make the point that uh, this is uh, very hard solid stuff because you know it's written so the west has this business of uh, writing is sort of the authority ki right. likh diya right. written it decree and all that kind of stuff so god gives decree and he gives it in writing what do you think of the difference between that and our idea of shastra so our shastra is actually just the opposite of that and in fact we have a word for it also shruti which means to be heard or to hear so we have an oral tradition of studying and continuing and propagating the shastra and writing actually came much later in vogue but originally it was never written in fact it was like sort of discouraged to write it and that served certain purpose 
one thing was that it did not get distorted because you have to go to the teacher to hear it. Once it is written, then I write it and then you take it and then you read it. And now you don't have to go to a teacher. And one could distort the writing. Yeah, and you don't have to. In fact, that happens. Now when we do critical editions of the books, you know, I'm, I write books, so I have to take note of different readings. So this difference in reading comes because of that. But orally you have to hear from an authority and then you memorize it and then you pass it on like that. And one could say, well, in that also there could be some, you know, distortions. So for that they had a methodology, which is very interesting. They had the pathas, you know, like Kram Patha, Ghan Patha, Jata Patha. So various types of readings where you take the same piece and you re repeat the words in a particular manner and that keeps on coming again and again. So if you make a mistake in one place, then you obviously are not going to make the same mistake in every place, then it will reflect and you will catch it. So that's why the Vedas, they were preserved for thousands and thousands of years and not even a single you know, letter was changed in that. In uh, computer science, they call it the error correcting codes. Right. Where you, ha you send a message such that if something goes wrong, there's enough redundancy that you can correct it. Yeah, so they, they had developed this technique yes. for yes. that. Yes. So, another thing is that uh, the Vedas, they are not just, you know, plain words, but they are actually musical. So, they have intonation, they have a swara, they have, you know, uddatta, swarita, anuddatta. So, you have to know when a particular word has to be pronounced in a particular manner. And for that, they had shiksha and they have chanda, these two Vedangas, you know, supplementary part of the Vedas which you have to study besides Vyakarna because if you do not know Shiksha and you do not, Shiksha is the phonetics, the art of pronouncing and Chandas is the meter, you know, you have to know where to stop, where to give the Yati or the break. So all these things were designed so that you can properly pronounce the mantras of the Vedas and then they have the power in it. If you make any mistake, then it would not give the desired result. There's a whole story of Vritrasura who was born because of just one small mistake of saying one letter at a different pitch. And because of that, the sage, what he wanted, the result did not get that. So it is very important to know this distinction between Shastra and what you call as the scripture, the English scriptures, that this oral tradition is important. Otherwise, you know, when you have these commandments and then they have been translated, many people say that, no, this is not what Bible says or this is not what it says. So the oral Shabda, Vak, has Shakti within right, it. Right, right. So it is not just conceptual meaning. No, no, it's not that conceptual. Is the, that is a major difference. Yeah. That's how it. That's why it has to be pronounced exactly in the same way. Right. If you pronounce it in different way, then you will not get that shakti. Yeah. Because the written writing it does not have the shakti with it. Right. Uh, it can be mechanically reproduced. Yes. But the oral requires a certain state of consciousness in the human being to be able to do it. Right. Just like if you want to learn music, you can write it. But actually, if you want to learn 
especially the vocal music, you have to hear it from a person. Yes, yes. You cannot become a vocalist yes. simply by reading books. Yes. Right? Yes. So it's same thing here. Now here I want to here I want to make a observation. A major controversy exists between the Western Indologists and our Swadeshi Indologists, where the Western Indologists claim that uh, history starts with writing. His, because they believe that when there is writing, there is reliable source of information. And when it is not written, it is oral, it is unreliable. So according to them, Sanskrit starts only when it is being written down. So they are looking for evidence of Sanskrit. And according to them, Sanskrit starts, according to Sheldon Pollock, it starts uh, 200 years after Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, this is how recently it starts. Because they can find these kind of manuscripts. Until then, it's oral, but they don't know what, how to date, when to date it. This is a very important uh, issue that we are fighting, that uh, they're equating the beginning of a language, beginning of a tradition with the writing. With the writing. Yeah. yeah, the problem is that they are very much hung up on this history point. You know. But uh, history does not depend on writing only. Right. History is, you know, there when there was no writing. Yeah. And uh, we have actually a bigger history before writing, right. much bigger than after writing is very limited. And writing is considered a sort of a lower form of consciousness. The right. higher achieved person doesn't need to write because he can memorize it, he has it in his consciousness and they can transmit to each other and there is energy energetic flow involved. Writing can be done mechanically and uh, lots of, you know, low, low, lower IQ people can also Right. Yeah, and that, that personal touch is lost. Yes. And uh, the whole thing is that personal touch mm. and that shakti which comes from the personal association. Mm. So, you know, instead of collapsing Shastra as scripture, smarter idea would be to do comparative studies. Right. I mean, people should actually be encouraged. I mean, this is where <laughs> political correctness seems to take over. But people who are curious, intellectual scholars, which is what the academy is supposed to be, they should be doing doctoral studies on contrast, on looking at what is there in the Shastra, not in the scripture or vice versa. What are the, you compare this with that and say, okay, these things are not matching. Because we should be honest with each other and tell, okay, that this is my Shastra says. And are you willing to accept it? And they would probably not, not want to accept those things. Well, that's a different issue, but at least we know it. Yes. The knowledge should be available. That, yes. Okay, this is, these are the differences and these are the commonalities. Right between the various dharmas, right. you know, religions of the West and Indian, you know, Shastra. So what are the, in their case, scripture comes because God dictated to this fellow at a particular point in time. So how, what would you say are the types of Shastras and how they come about? So originally it is the Veda, which is called Shruti. So this is revealed to Brahma, the first created being, which comes from Vishnu. And then Brahma gives this knowledge to his sons, the sages, you know, Atri, Vasishtha. So, um, these uh, ten sons he has. So, he gave this knowledge. And then, on the basis of the Vedic knowledge, the sages, they compiled what is called Smriti. They understood the Vedic knowledge, they understood the essence of it. Then, for practical application, they wrote... Smriti Shastras, which includes the Puranas, the Itihasa, and also the Smriti Shastras, which are the law books for the 
people of Varnashrama Dharma. So these are all derived knowledge on the basis of Veda. So these are called Smritis and those are called the Shrutis. But Smriti is rooted in the Shruti. It cannot override that. So these are the two major divisions and uh, both are considered as part of Shastra. Because these sages, they have the vision, they are called Rishi because they, they see the reality, they have the experience of it and they understand what is good for the humanity, how they should live in the life, what are the principles they have to follow. So they give the instructions and then they also tell in the form of stories for easy understanding because in the Vedas it's not like that. So then they write Puranas, Itihasas, a lot of stories based on the history of you know, various kings and various sages. So to give knowledge to common people, they have devised this means. But the knowledge is the same which is in the Vedas. So would the Itihasa be considered Shruti or Smriti? That is Smriti. Smriti. So Itihas, Purana, Bhyam, Vedam, Samabrihyet. So Itihasa, Purana, they are actually to you know, augment or magnify or, you know, uh, give the knowledge of the Veda in easy terminology. So that is what their function is. Sometimes they are also called fifth Veda. Itihasam Puranam cha Panchmam Veda Uchyate. It's also sometimes called as the fifth Veda. So another distinction you pointed out is that the Shruti uh, requires a Rishi state. Right. Whereas the revelation, God does not, uh, no claim made in the Bible that these people were enlightened or they were people of high, qual high class or learning. They were not necessarily learned people. Uh, God picks anybody. And they're very proud of the fact that uh, God could pick a drunkard, could pick a alcoholic, could pick a useless fellow, but that, he's just a messenger. Yeah. You're not supposed to revere that person as a high level person. It is not considered... In fact, in Islam, to worship Muhammad is a blasphemy. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's nothing sacred about Muhammad. He's, he's only a messenger Allah has dictated. So I think there's also a distinction in the means by which the, the Shruti comes about versus how revelation comes. Yeah, it's a very big difference. The person himself or herself has to be qualified yes. by character. So they, yes. they did a lot of austerity, tapasya. Right. There is to no tapasya done by the prophets. No. They, they, it, it, and they don't consider it a controversial point. They will say that the God chose. It is not that this guy deserved it, he made any effort. It is not because of that. It's just God chose him and that is his choice. He just made a random choice. So here it's not just a question of choosing, but the person has to do certain sadhana. Right. Even Brahma, when he was born, he did not understand. Mm. There is an explanation that he was born on the top of a lotus flower and then he saw all around there was all emptiness and he was wondering from where I have come. So he went inside the lotus stem and he travelled and travelled and travelled but he could not find the end of it. So then he came up and then he heard the sound tapa tapa. So do tapa, he did tapa and then Bhagwan appeared to him and gave the Vedic knowledge. So even Brahma performed austerity for 1000 years. So then he got the knowledge. So knowledge in India, this, you know, Vedic knowledge is not given to an unqualified person. Even on the later stages, if you see the, the guru-disciple succession, so guru also tests the disciple. 
Nasamvatsar Vasinu Dayat is a statement in the Smriti that don't give knowledge unless you test the person for one year at least. So knowledge giving to unqualified person is very dangerous. Like you know, you reveal how to make nuclear bomb to an unqualified person, he can be, create a havoc with that. Then another explanation, the meaning of Shastra is given is that Agyat Gyatkam Shastram. Actually Shastra gives you the knowledge which cannot be attained by empirical means. Okay. It's a very specific distinction. So therefore scientific inquiry can never give you the knowledge which is available in Shastra. For example, that we say that there is an Atma in this body. There is no science which can prove or disprove it because they don't have the jurisdiction to reach it. Right. So, Shastra is giving you knowledge which cannot be attained by any other means. Right. So, that's why we give value to it. Because either you get that knowledge and take advantage or, okay, live the way you are in ignorance. Right. So, Shastric knowledge, if you read Bhagavad Gita, what Krishna is saying there, you know, it's a knowledge which you cannot get simply by doing empirical research. Right. So, that's what is Shastra. Another, I think, interesting dis difference is that in Shastra we have a distinction between Shruti and Smriti, which means that while the Shruti is eternal, the Smriti can be changed, can, can be updated. So, Manu Smriti, so you could update the Manu Smriti for new life, new, new context, new uh, period of time, new culture. Yeah, because this Smriti is like Manu Smriti, Yagivalka Smriti, Harit Smriti, Devala Smriti, Narada Smriti, many of them. So they are practical application of the knowledge which is available in the Vedas. And uh, practical application obviously is according to the society in which you want to apply it. And because the society, people, their lifestyle and the external situation, they change. So accordingly you have to change that. It's mm. like we have like Indian constitution. Right. So when it was made, it was made at that time, but later on there have been so many modifications in it. Right. 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 So many they have done. That's right. actually one of the function of right. legislative bodies. So whereas in the Bible, the Shruti and Smriti equivalent ideas are collapsed as f and fixed. Right. So because they cannot be changed, therefore they have all these crises. How to how to keep up with the new times? Right. You know, can women be priests or can there be this this or that? All kind of social problems, political problems, because they are fixed and they cannot adapt it. And even worse problem in Quran, in worse problem in Islam, that they are stuck on a certain a kind of fixed idea from the past history, uh, which may not, which may have been valid for that time. Yeah, maybe not relevant anymore. Maybe not relevant. Maybe counterproductive. Right. Uh, and creating all these kind of problems. So the dif the distinction between Shruti and Smriti has allowed us to remain on the one hand consistent and with the Shruti but at the same time changing and evolving and dynamic with the Smriti. Yeah, because there are certain principles which are eternal truths. Right. For example, Atma is eternal. Right. Atma is part of Bhagavan. Right. And there is Vakuntha. You know, by surrendering to Bhagavan, you can become free from karma. So right. these are eternal principles. They, you cannot change them. Right. But now, how do I apply this in my life? That can change according to my situation and according to the circumstances. Right. So you also have, you know, Samanya Dharma, then you have Apad Dharma. Right. Know, the principles which are applicable when there is some, you know, extraordinary situation, some calamity. Right. And then you are given more leeway to f function in a particular way. Right. So these are the type of things which Smriti teaches us. Mm. So that is the beauty of the Smriti Shastra, mm. that you can keep up with the modern times. Mm. So, you know, the problem is that, for instance, certain behaviors 
uh, in Islam are now seen as radical because they're not allowed to change. Right. And uh, similarly in the Bible. So they have to come up with all these gymnastics to figure out, you know, what to do. Because that the idea that this is one-time historical thing that some lucky guy was given and that's our only hope to get salvation. Uh, and if we deviate from that, we can't. So in that, all the things which are contextual for time and place have also been put in there. Right. They, they have no concept of a separate smithy. Yeah, so you have to make this differentiation that there are certain principles which are unchangeable. Yes. And there are other principles which are according to the particular circumstance. Right. If the circumstance changes, then you change them how to apply it. So this is the so beauty this, of... So it's very clear that Shastra is a very profound concept. A lot of Shastra, there must be thousands of Shastras. Oh yeah, there is no... No end to it. And uh, the, the, this, what we just discussed, uh, how Shastras come about is different than how scriptures come about. Uh, what is the scope of these Shastras is different. It's not just one book. And the fact that uh, Smritis are separate and changeable is very different than a closed book, final book, and nobody allowed to change it. So I think we should use the word Shastra and not accept when they say, okay, we're going to study your Hindu scriptures and all that, which is what the American Academy of Religion does. And all our people are very excited that oh, we also got scriptures. You know, we, they're respecting us. They're respecting us, but in their own framework. So when somebody respects you in his own framework, actually you're being compromised because what is distinct about us, we're being asked to leave. And, and uh, we are requesting that you should use the Sanskrit non-translatable Shastra. Thank you.